Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together, verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali and I, are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along, and if not, no problem. We'll put it all together for you. So let's get started. Today, we are in uh, the book of Daniel, chapter 3. We're going to be starting um, officially around verse 3 and going down to verse um, uh, 16. So um, this is um, kind of the follow-up to Nebuchadnezzar's uh, dream. He had, he had dreamt about this uh, statue, this awesome, impressive statue with a head of gold, um, chest and arms of silver, <clears throat> waist and thighs of bronze, legs of iron, feet of iron and clay. And this, uh, as uh, Daniel pointed out to him, to, to, uh, to know his dream, Daniel dreamt the same dream. God showed him the dream so he could interpret it. And so he could show Nebuchadnezzar that God is in control, that God is sovereign, and that God uh, is sovereign even over his own mind. And it's showing him what is the future. It's uh, like the, the empires that are going to be coming even after Nebuchadnezzar's empire um, is over. So it's letting Nebuchadnezzar know that God is sovereign, and it's letting Nebuchadnezzar know that Nebuchadnezzar is not sovereign, that, that his empire will, will uh, be superseded by other empires as well, and that his time is only uh, part-time in God's hand. And really, deeper, that he's a servant of God, that uh, God used him to uh, punish the Jews, and he's going to use other empires to restore the Jews. So, um, of course, the head of gold being his empire, the chest and arms of silver being the Persians, the middle, uh, like waist and thighs, being the Greeks under Alexander the Great, uh, the Roman Empire being the legs of iron, and the feet and iron of clay, the very bottom, is the time of the mixing of the iron uh, with the clay, which is, um, is an unstable, these are unstable empires. McGee says this is where we are today, the times of the Gentiles, sort of this extension of the Roman Empire. And the only thing that's going to come next is um, uh, a time of uh, tribulation under the Antichrist, and then this future kingdom is the kingdom of Christ. Um, the um, Christ rule will be the ultimate kingdom on earth, as Christ it will be the only person that can restore 
uh, God's world, God's plan. Um, man's agenda has messed it up. King after king, empire after empire, all the kings uh, that the world can come up with have all fallen short, short to bring peace on earth. Uh, it only brings war, deceit, turmoil, and strife. And every king that, or every president or every ruler that tries will always fall short. And likewise, every philosophy um, falls short as well. McGee makes a little introduction about the not only pride. We see pride in Nebuchadnezzar's reign as he's now he's erected this this image, a whole image out of gold. You know, we saw in chapter three, verses uh, one, starting with one, he makes this whole image out of gold, and maybe he makes it out of gold because of his own pride, because he knows he, in his own dream, his head, he was the head made of solid gold, but now he makes a whole statue 90 feet tall out of solid gold. So he's probably wanting everybody to, he's, you know, forcing the issue, um, he's forcing the issue to, um, kind of live out the dream, but live it in an even better way for himself. So he sets it up, and he's calling now the whole world, the known world, all of the representatives for, you know, his conquered region to come worship. He's going to unite the kingdom. Maybe it's a way of trying to keep his kingdom united. Maybe it's a way to, to keep his kingdom from, from falling. Maybe it's a way to be strong in his kingdom. Maybe it's all for his own glory or the glory of his own empire. You know, maybe his, even his dream or the interpretation of his dream, he didn't see it as God being sovereign. Maybe he just saw it as a threat to his own authority. But for whatever reason, however he was um, trying to think this through, he builds this, you know, golden image. Now, of course, we don't get any input from Daniel at this point. Uh, he is made uh, an official. He's at the king's court, but um, he's curiously absent from this passage. McGee says perhaps he's off on official business. Perhaps he's, well, he's apparently not involved in this situation. But in any event, Nebuchadnezzar is inviting everybody to come worship this idol, this image. And um, today we see a very um, man-centric approach to uh, religion. Uh, there's all kind of aspects in religion that, that um, appeal to the works of man to appear uh, and appeal to things that would appease what man's ears want to hear. Uh, whatever is good for you is good for you. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. You know, everybody's got their own version of what the truth is. And it um, puts a spin, uh, you know, and it respins what God's truth is. There are Bibles out there that are published that have teachings in it according to if you believe in this way, you, there's a Bible that sort of appeases you. Uh, the, the, the Bibles, some of these Bibles are written just to, to appease the reader. And so um, man tries to come up with so many different um, 
things that fit his own agenda. We've got our science, the sciences of evolution, sort of go against God creating the world. They have to say that the world created by accident. And a lot of um, thinking in um, modern-day psychology is the opposite of God's psychology. It, the deeper you get into psychology, it's just all atheism repackaged. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, there's really no sin. There's really no ultimate right or wrong. Um, you know, um, there's this sort of this, out of this is, grows this uh, philosophy of humanism, where, you know, man is basically good, and through meditation, through good deeds, through self-improvement, through education, you know, through seminars or whatever you want, um, <clears throat> eating the right foods or whatever, man will become better and better and better. And that's that humanistic philosophy that um, we need to be tolerant of other people's belief systems. We need to be, um, you know, and if you're not, if you, you know, if you, if you, um, you know, if you profess, you know, like Christian faith or you're too religious, your uh, religion says there's sin or there's, you know, right and wrong, and you're offensive to people who don't believe in your religion and all of these things. And it's the same kind of thing that that um, that um, Daniel and his buddies were facing here. You know, it's it's um, you've got to um, sort of change your way of thinking to fit in with what the world is the headed towards. And it's a very egocentric, self-centric philosophy, a very self-centric mentality. And this is what Nebuchadnezzar is putting out there, and very similar to what the world is putting out there today. Uh, it all goes opposite to God's mentality. It's okay for a woman to, if they don't want the baby, we're just we're not going to call it a baby. We're just gonna we're just gonna uh, call it an uh, abortion, you know, or we're just gonna call it birth control or family planning. That sounds a lot nicer than killing a baby. So we we change what our perception of right and wrong is. If um, a man wants to be called a woman, okay, I'm transgendering, I'm a woman. If a woman wants to be called a man, oh, okay, I'm going to be a man now. Um, or I'm something in between. Um, and we want to change the pronouns of, of things. And I was hearing a sermon recently that they said they wanted to rewrite a new version of the Bible to, to exclude the he and the she <clears throat> so that it would be gender neutral for people who want to read the Bible without a reference to gender. You know, it's like incredible uh, of, of what people want to do to change the Word of God. God, God's Word is truth, and there is right, there is wrong, and God's Word says man is a sinner, and there's no way around it. And without God and God's truth, man will die. And that's the that's what the Bible says. And so man doesn't want to hear that. Man's way of thinking doesn't want to be submissive to God's way of thinking. And so uh, that's where we are. Are we going to be submissive 
to God's way of thinking or are we going to be submissive to whatever the world dishes out? So this is where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego find themselves. And we'll take up um, in verse 2, Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps. The, pre- the satrap was like a governor um, of a province. The prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the province. This was a big royal uh, command. Uh, it's like the, a cabinet meeting. All the officials are there, all the representatives, you know, the people of the government, the judges, the... You know, just everybody's there. To come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, prefects, and governors, and counselors, and treasurers, and justices, and magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Okay, so everybody's there. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Verse 4. At the herald... Proclaimed aloud, you are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. So basically, there's a command that when you hear the music, and it's a lot of music, there's a lot, as McGee says, there's a whole bunch of instruments that are described here. So he's saying this is like almost like an orchestra. So this is a very formal event and a very official event. And they've got music there to start and kick it off. When you hear the music, start worshiping. (laughs) And so it's a very controlled worship service for sure. But on the other hand, it is, um, again, it is a dictated uh, worship, dictated an idol, and basically, it is um, a test, really, of everybody. Who you, who are you uh, loyal to? And are you going to um, be loyal to what God says? Or are you going to be loyal to what somebody in the world says? Verse 6, And whoever does not fall down in worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Okay, so there's no way, there's no room for disloyalty here. You worship, you live, you don't worship, you die. Therefore, as soon as all the people heard the sounds of the hornpipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, okay, this is every kind of music, all peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Verse 8, Therefore, at the, t- at the time certain uh, Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. Okay, so they're full of spite. They're full of envy. They're wanting to, they're not, a, they're not accusing uh, these Jews out of good hearts you know, for King Nebuchadnezzar, they're accusing these Jews out of their own pride, out of their own jealousy. Why? Because these prisoners of war are were put in charge over them because Daniel had earlier interpreted King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. King Nebuchadnezzar had appointed Daniel very, very high position as a trusted advisor, and Daniel had requested that these three of his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, be appointed to positions also. 
So you could imagine the resentment of these um, these people. So they maliciously accused them because they figured that these guys are going to be true to their God. They're not going to worship. They'll get thrown in the fiery furnace, and then they themselves would probably get elevated, you know, because the king would find, you know, that, oh, you gave me good advice because these guys weren't worshiping. Maybe they would get something out of it, either more power, prestige, or some honor or acknowledgement with the king. They declared, verse 9, to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You know, this is the way they're greeting him. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Okay? Verse 12, There are certain Jews whom you've appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Okay? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay, so they're people you've appointed to run things. But these men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. Boom. So now they have, they have laid these three fellas up. They, these guys have called them out. <clears throat> and uh, the way they phrased it, they said, you know, these guys are running the show and they're not worshiping what you just said. So verse 13, it kind of puts the king in a bind too because the king now has to enforce his own rules even if he does um, have a special place in his heart for these fellows because they're friends of Daniel's. Verse 13, Then Nebuchadnezzar in furious rage commanded <clears throat> that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So he's mad. He's mad not only because they're not worshiping what he made, but he's mad because he's probably another prideful situation, his own pride in front of all these officials that his high officials aren't worshiping to start with. So it's just making his whole ceremony going to look bad. <clears throat> so they brought these men before the king. Verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that... You do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I've set up? You know, is this true? Verse 15, Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I've made, well and good. Okay? So in other words, if you worship, everything's well, everything's good. I'm not going to hold any grudges. <clears throat> You know, he, he probably, you know, liked these guys to start with because they were friends of Daniel's. So if you just worship, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you, deliver you out of my hands? Okay? Because your God's not here. Maybe he was here before, but he's not here now. This is my ceremony. This is my decree. I'm still in charge. If you'll just worship, everything's well and good. But I'm going to enforce my own laws. Okay. So this is at a point where McGee stopped uh, for today's study. We'll have to wait and stop here and find out what 
um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do? What are they going to do? What would you do, you know, in this situation? You're Somebody's asking you to worship something you don't believe in, and if not, they're going to kill you right there. What are you going to do? <clears throat> it's amazing how all the other peoples of all the other nations decided that they would worship. Because when you get there and you find out if you, if you don't worship, you're going to get thrown in this furnace. A lot of people will say, well, you know what? We'll just worship and get out of here. Or we'll just go along. <clears throat> but we see a lot of rationalization in the world today. People just go along. They don't take a stand for what they believe. Or they just say, you know what, it's okay to be tolerant of other people's belief systems. We'll just, you know, worship beside them and then we'll worship differently. But, you know, what would you do? There's so many, there's so many um, parallel things. What would you do if you're in a position to <clears throat> acknowledge your own faith before someone else? You could say it's worship, but it's really you're acknowledging God. Are you going to acknowledge God? Are you not going to acknowledge God? It doesn't have to be a, a really tall golden idol. What if there's somebody that you're around that needs to hear the word of God, needs to know the truth of God, needs to know what's true and what's not true. You have an opportunity to talk or tell them about God or tell them what the truth is, or maybe they're doing something that's, that's uh, sinful. <clears throat> do you acknowledge God in front of them? Or do you just kind of buckle and not say anything and just go along? It's almost like not saying anything is acknowledgement that they're okay before God. If somebody's not okay before God, do we acknowledge that? There's so many parallels today with the way our lives are. It's like on a daily basis, you can find ways to acknowledge God or not. Do we take that opportunity? Or just do we let, we're not standing in front of fiery furnaces, but we're standing in front of peer pressure. We're standing what, uh, in front of what people would say about us or think about us. Or maybe our friendships might change. Or maybe our relationships might change if we just acknowledge God. Because people, again, <clears throat> don't want to hear an acknowledgement of God. There's something in human nature that doesn't want to hear it. Now, some people need to hear it. Some people love to hear it. But so many people don't want to hear it. They want to be indifferent to it. It's just something people don't want to think about. So, <clears throat> something for us to think about for sure. What would Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego do? What would we do? And what do we do today when we give, are given the opportunity to acknowledge God? So, for me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ. We'll take up this uh, great, great uh, book uh, tomorrow as we continue our study of Daniel. Now, I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Take it away, Matali, and I can't wait to hear what you've got to say for today. God bless you all. We'll see you next time. 
Hello, so today's teaching is coming from Daniel chapter 3, beginning at verse 3 all the way to verse 16. So in this chapter, we see, you know, heathen pride is judged. So Nebuchadnezzar made, you know, one humongous, large image of gold. Um, you know, instead of humbling himself because God had exalted him, he decided to have that pride in his heart and decided to make a deity of himself. And he made this image because God, because, you know, he had heard the interpretation of his dream that he was um, the head of gold. So God had told him he was, um, you know, head of gold and, you know, pride compelled him to make this image instead of him being, you know, humble. Many a times God exalts people. And people tend to forget who actually put them in that place and they become prideful and they, be, they, they start to think they just don't need God. And, you know, this is one picture that depicts, you know, the pe people today. You know, we are driven by worldly things. We are driven by worldly positions, the things that we actually get, you know, the positions in our workplaces, you know, the promotions that we get, you know, the positions that we hold you know, that we hold on to at work, you know, the power that we um, come to possess and we tend to actually leave God aside, you know, leave God out of everything. And, um, you know, instead of him being humble, he decided to exalt himself and, you know, forgetting that it was actually God who had actually elevated him to that particular position. So he put the image, you know, on the plane of Dura and he, uh, he called all the officers in his kingdom to have a dedication ceremony for this particular image. But in fact, it was, you know, forced worship, like, you know, come and worship this particular image. So verse three of um, Daniel chapter three, and I begin to read. So the straps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up so here that was the day of dedication it had actually arrived when he set up this huge image on the plain of Dura and it could be seen because it was like just a plain uh you know no other structures and there was just this huge image standing there and um you know this was a day of dedication and um you know where this image was to be presented you know um in this chapter Daniel is actually not mentioned. Um, only, you know, his three other Hebrew brothers are actually mentioned. So here it's safe to assume that Daniel was away on state business because he was made in charge of, you know, the province of Babylon. He was, um, you know, an advisor to the king. So he was away on state business and he was, you know, he was chief, chief advisor to this emperor. So the image was, you know, very impressive. You know, it was um, awe-inspiring. And, you know, it's just stood there in this plain of Dura. So verse 4 goes on to read, Then I heard, oh, then um, a herald cried aloud to you. Oh, then a herald cried aloud to you. It is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages. Verse 5, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music you shall fall down and worship the gold image that king nebuchadnezzar had set up and whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace so here now um you know there was no freedom of worship back then you know like you were told what to worship and, um, you know, like, unlike today, people have liberties today. You know, we can worship 
um, however way we want. You know, back then there was no like private like worship, like personal worship and all. And you know, at that time, you know, there was the orchestra. There was like a, like a, like a. Um, an impressive orchestra, you know, all these instruments that are actually mentioned, it was like a huge orchestra and um, and at the sound of, you know, when the orchestra sounds out, everybody wants to bow down. So it was not a dedication ceremony. It was like he was, um, uh, Nebuchadnezzar was imposing, um, you know, he was imposing worship of, of, of um, you know, one kind of worship. And, you know, worship can't be, and, you know, if you look at worship today, worship cannot be forced. It's an expression of, you know, the heart. It has to be personal. And now uh, here Nebuchadnezzar was trying to impose this um, one world worship. Like you all worship, you all have one particular God, you all worship one God. And, you know, we shall see, like, you know, Nebuchadnezzar here is a representation of the beast that comes out of the sea. So, you know, when, and then here, you know, they're using music, you know, when the orchestra sounds, you know, everyone has to bow down. So when music appeals to the flesh, it actually um, degrades man and it doesn't elevate him. You know, the world of music we listen to today, if it actually appeals to your flesh. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it just literally like degrades you because in the, in the you know, it, it actually, because music has a way of actually um, making a, an impact on, on, um, on people's lives, it, it carries messages. Um, and if it's not used in the right way, it actually, you know, it actually just degrades man. And um, it's music here, like even in the church, it's supposed to use, it's supposed to be used to actually aid worship. But if it actually appeals to the flesh, like in this particular case, in Nebuchadnezzar's case, um, where the music was only appealing to the flesh. This wonderful orchestra that was actually set up, it was just actually going to just appeal to the flesh and everyone was just to bow down. So it, it, it actually just does not, elevate, um, um, does not elevate human beings and it does not um, invoke true worship. So Paul has a lot to say about the importance of music for the believer in worship. And we can find this in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 19 which reads speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the lord so you know worship is something personal and um, music here paul he's talking about you know spirit-filled believers you know music will move you if like you're a spirit-filled believer so here paul is saying you know speaking to one another in psalms so it's also a way of communication you know communicating to one another and you know getting to god like it has to move you and we also see in um paul talks about music in the book of colossians chapter 3 verse 16 which reads um let me just quickly turn there so colossians chapter 3 verse 16 reads let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So worship is spiritual and music invokes that connection, you know, speaking to one another 
uh, you know, with grace. It invokes that connection with one another um, in the Lord Jesus Christ if, like, you are spirit-filled believers. So music can be helpful or not. And the world of music has a lot of influence on people today. Um, you know, Dr. J.B. McGee pointed out, yeah, it, music didn't have a great start. Um, it started, like, in the time of Cain and Abel. Um, and, you know, like, uh, one of A uh, Cain's descendants, I think it was his son, um, you know, he was, like, um, known, like, to play the harp and stuff like that. And, you know, um, these were, like, um, the cursed uh, people. Uh, so music tends to actually, you know, move people either in the wrong direction or in the right direction. So, you know, Paul had actually a lot to say. So the thing is, um, you know, Nebuchadnezzar here has declared a penalty to anyone who refused to worship this image at the sound of that impressive orchestra that he's talking about. So, um, you know, everyone except, you know, the three young Hebrew, um, Hebrew men fell down upon the, you know, sound of that orchestra and, you know, bowed down before that gold image. But these three young men, they stood their grounds. They stood for God. So verse 7 goes on to read, So at the time when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, and lyre in symphony, with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So here, you know, the movement of dedication was an act of worship. And um, it was unanimous. So um, then here, all the nations, they're talking about like, you know, that particular nation because it was a great power then. Um, so they all like fell down to actually worship this particular gold image. So verse 8 goes on to read, Therefore, at the time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. So here now, you know, we come to the accusation of the three Hebrew children for failure to actually worship this image. So, you know, the king had actually, you know, put in charge, had hired observers to note any irregularities in, um, you know, this particular um, charade that he was, um, um, you know, putting up. And, um, you know, certain Chaldeans, you know, maybe they had an issue with um, the fact that, you know, these particular foreigners, Jews, had actually been hired in high positions by Nebuchadnezzar. Some of them were jealous, you know, some of them like, you know, you know, they were just, they just didn't like them. And they had been watching, um, you know, they had been watching those three, you know, high profile people who were these three young Hebrew men who, who had actually been elevated, been promoted. And, you know, now the accusation uh, comes up. So the Jews in captivity were not... Um, you know, were no pos that didn't have, have a position of leadership. They were not present at this particular meeting. It was just, you know, the Jews in very high positions, you know, the, the advisors to the king and these three uh, young Hebrew men. So now uh, I'll read from verse 9 to verse 12. It goes on to read, They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You know, this particular phrase, you know, that's how they addressed their king, you know, the Babylonians. But if you see the way the... Um, the Hebrews, Daniel and his three Hebrew brothers, the way they addressed the king, they didn't say, O king, live forever. So here, verse 10 goes on to read, You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning fire furnace. There are certain Jews whom have <clears throat> whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, 
Mishek and, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not paid due regards to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set. So here, you know, they took the accusation before the king and they did it in a diplomatic way. You know, they did it with tact. So they took this particular accusation to the king, you know, in a formal way with you know, a direct charge against the three Hebrews because already Nebuchadnezzar had put a decree on it and, you know, they just went with a direct charge. This is what you had said. If no one does this, this is what's going to happen. Um, so, you know, the charge was actually accurate because Nebuchadnezzar had actually decreed, but the insinuation was false because they insinuated that, you know, they um, are disrespecting you in a way. So the insinuation was false and it was not an act of defying, you know, the king personally. It was the recognition of a higher power. So they were not defying the king. They just said, you know, that gold image is not our God. And, you know, we are standing by God. So they were obedient to God. So verse 13 goes on to read, Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Nebuchadnezzar. So they brought these men before the king. So here, you know, Nebuchadnezzar has these fits of rage. This is the second time I'm reading like he had this fit of rage, you know, when, um, you know, his dream, they failed to actually interpret and relate his dream. You know, the wise men, he just gets this fit of rage you know he has like extremes like it's either he's like very generous or it's either he has is he's like really really mad and you know these are signs of neurotic psychosis you know somebody who's just psycho um so he had a psych problem and he went into fits of rage and hysteria so verse 14 goes on to read nebuchadnezzar spoke saying to them is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? And verse 15 goes on to read, Now if you are ready at, sorry, um, now if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and um, psaltery. Again, here is, they're mentioning this great orchestra in symphony with all kinds of music and you fall down and worship the image which I have made good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning fire furnace. And who is the God and who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? So here the declaration of the Hebrew children of, um, you know, the power of their God in refusal to worship the image. So this is this was their declaration. Like we're not going to we're, we're going to stand by our God. So Nebuchadnezzar asked them, he gave them like, um, you know, another opportunity. Like, you know, when you hear the sound of the symphony, the sound of the orchestra, um, you know, bow down. He gave them an opportunity to change their minds and worship the image. And Nebuchadnezzar had heard, you know, he had heard of their God. He had actually seen the wonders of their God, like through that dream he had when Daniel interpreted it. And, you know, and he answers them that, you know, he won't save, um, he, he's not going to save them. Like now they're in the hands of Nebuchadnezzar and their God's not going to, who's he going to, how's he going to help them? You know, because when they don't bow down, he's going to throw them in the fire furnace and psh, they will die. So verse 16 goes on to read, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego answered and said to the king, oh, Nebuchadnezzar. So they just say, oh, Nebuchadnezzar. They don't say, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, oh, king, live forever. So they answer, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. So, um... Here, you know, in another translation, um, it says we are not careful. 
So, you know, they have carefully weighed the consequences of refusing to obey the king because they know what's going to come next, but they're trusting in their God. They're trusting in the, the God of heaven. So God had told them they shall have no other God and they were just obeying the commandments of God. And, you know, they were not defying the king in any way. Like, you know, they were not being like, oh, hey, we're not defying the king, but they were just not going to bow down before this God because they were obeying the law they were obeying the commandments of god that thou shalt not have or worship any other god apart from the god of heaven and they stood their ground so this is today's teaching it's been interesting we have another cliffhanger and i can't wait to find out what exactly happens when um after they their refusal what uh, King Nebuchadnezzar is going to do. So yeah, this is today's teaching. Thank you all for listening and God bless and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye.